For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU football, the Big 12 Conference, and a revival of the Big East Conference. Uh, I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan Pinto. He's at Game Day Shorts. Um, three straight week of three straight weeks of, of not really close Mountaineer football games. Uh, this one was a lot more fun than last week. How uh, how are we doing, Jordan? How was uh, the game this Saturday? Hey, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I'm doing some some Sunday afternoon recycling right now. I did some Saturday afternoon recycling yesterday. Um, actually, took my family up to the game. Um, so the wife and the and the youngest made it to about to about noon, and then they tucked out and uh, and and evac'd out. But uh, my oldest actually made it in the game, so she got to see uh, see a very exciting first half of football. Um, and yeah, I mean, what a what a turnaround! And then like we're watching the scoreboard in the game, and like Oklahoma's tied with BYU in the fourth quarter, and I'm just like, is the sky like is down up is is up down? I don't know what to think about anything. Because um, yeah, could not have been a bigger contrast. I know Cincinnati's a, a far shout from Oklahoma, but we we looked fucking awesome yesterday. So yeah, it's good stuff. Would you uh, where'd you watch? I'm I was here in Columbus. Um... After a week of travel, nice to be home and and just watch the game at home. So, um, but yeah, a pretty stress free one and and some exciting. I feel like this was a sort of game that sort of has you looking forward and in the future and maybe next year and you know, okay, what pieces are we getting? Because some of these pieces are uh, getting better week to week. Uh, Jaheim White, obviously uh, the the number one answer there. Super great game. Garrett Green continues just to be that dude, um, and he joined some elite company yesterday with with his legs and his arm, that combo. Um, what was it? I think him and Pat are the only quarterbacks in West Virginia history to go 150 on the ground and 150 through the air. I think Pat did it twice. Garrett joins that list now. I mean, that's that's nothing to sniff at. That's uh, that's. There's been a lot of good quarterbacks through West Virginia. Um, but Garrett Green, man, he, he really showed off the legs yesterday, so that was uh, fun to see. And yeah, just really beat down uh, an inferior opponent, got up on him early, probably could have been a lot worse. I mean, this ended up being a 21-point game, but, you know, it wasn't that close. It was, what, 42-7? to 42-7, yeah, I was going to say, end of the third quarter, 42-7. Yeah, no, I mean, what, 424 yards rushing. Um, yeah, you bring up the, the Garrett stat. I mean, hey, we got a cupcake this week, and we got a full season next year for him to uh, – you know, stack a couple more of those 150, 150 games. But um, yeah, he played he played as well as anybody in the country. Um, the look ahead thing, what I think the first three touches of the game, it was uh, Traylon Ray and then Jaheim and then Rodney. And so it's just like, Neil's like, hey, look at what That's we what got here. Been. Look at what we got here. He's like, I'm pulling my wean out and putting it on a table. This is, you know, it's it's average for now. But um, he's a, hey, maybe he's a grower, not a shower. You know what I'm saying? But uh, SEC, SEC, please don't look. <laughs> Yeah, dude, everybody stay away. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I have to talk about Jaheim, but like, 
um, the game period. So what was it? It was 21 for 204. That's 9.7 a carry. Only the one touchdown, but nine explosive runs, 108 of those yards after contact, 10 missed tackles forced. Um, and on the season, dude, if you cut it off, and I'm taking some liberties by cutting it off, he has 80 carries on the season. But if you cut, if you limit FBS to running backs who have 80 or more carries, he, he according to PFF, he is literally the top graded running back in the country. And he leads the country in yards per carry with 8.2 yards per carry, which I don't know, it's a shade over whatever second is in FBS, but it's a, that's a yard and a half more than the second place back, Ollie Gordon, in the Big 12. So like Jaheim White doing some really special stuff. Uh, and yeah, back the back the Brinks truck up. Uh, Ren Baker, do whatever you got to do to keep this guy. Please. Stuff him in bubble wrap, like keep keep uh, keep scouts up, like light the beacons if we see anybody from the SEC or from Alabama trying to sneak into uh, Morgantown to to talk to this kid because I mean he's he's as good as we've had in a long time. Has a chance to yeah, be. He definitely does, and and you know you didn't even mention the uh, the receiving touchdown, seventy five yard, yeah. you know bust up. That was the longest play of the season for West Virginia. Explosive play. I mean the dude had two hundred eighty yards, all purpose yards. Um, all you know that's all offense that's no special teams returns you know getting that stuff cooked in as well so um yeah as good of a game as you can expect from a guy that young i mentioned it already but garrett green i mean he's really been up there in elite company we've we've talked about it on the spot a lot this year but he's right there at the top of the conference um and pretty much any metric you want to look at uh really amazing you know big time throw it's a turnover worthy play ratio like you know, he's able to hit a lot of these deep balls. Yeah, he he flew a couple yesterday. He had some guys. Um, and I think probably your biggest criticism of Garrett Green is that intermediate passing. It's almost like uh, if the guy's too open, it, it, it seems like, you know, the, the radius that he needs to get in there probably needs to shrink a little bit. But, um, yeah, when you can go for 150 on the ground from your quarterback, that's, uh, you know, that's something special. Three touchdowns. And we mentioned it, you know, it's hard to uh, throw around Pat and Steve's name in comparison, but Jaheim White. And Jaheim White averaged 10 a carry yesterday for, you know, like I said, 200, 204 rushing yards. But if you want to throw the uh, the 75-yard catch in there also, that, that takes the average up a good bit. So he was 10 on the ground on average. Garrett Green was 14 average on the ground. I mean, those are those are Pat and Steve-esque numbers. Uh, and that, that's not exaggeration. That's, uh, that's special. And the offense is, you know, I think this offense is just, other than the Oklahoma blip has just kind of gotten better all season. And if we really look back and probably listen to a pod, we recorded at the earlier season. I mean, we scored what 17 points against Pitt against Pitt. Um, you know, and, and we ground that out as a defensive win, but, but the progression of this offense of the season, like <laughs> when, when players make mistakes, we, we tend to blame coaches, but like when, when the offense gets better and better, I don't know. I feel like uh, there's been a good job done on the offense this year. Yeah, we're we're putting we're putting guys uh, in positions to make plays, and and I mean you know with we're seeing like with guys with Rodney trailing, uh, obviously Jaheim is you know we've kind of let them grow into the offense. Like you know maybe it was a, the right call not to throw them into the fire against Penn State. Um, you know maybe they we we knew or hoped that they had this kind of stuff in them, and it's just like you kind of have to let them adjust to a college football season because these are still like eighteen and nineteen year old kids, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, shoot, I mean, through through September, we're winning games, but we're begging for explosive plays. And, you know, Jaheim, I think we were talking about it, like, you, you can't call these guys Pat and Steve yet. Um, but the way that they stress a defense from sideline to sideline, the way Garrett and Jaheim do, is, is it's the same recipe, right? Um, and Jaheim obviously puts a ton more stress uh, than even a guy like CJ, who CJ's a great player, great, um, you know, north-south player. Um, 
but but Jaheim, like you can just tell, like both he and Garrett are so fast, and Garrett Garrett's long speed isn't you know anything crazy. Like he's not like a four four guy, but if you take a half step, if you take a false step to the wrong gap as a linebacker, Garrett can gain ten yards in a second. Right, Jaheim's the same way, um, and and so it's just it's so much stress on the defense. I think we saw a ton of that yesterday early. Um, what Garrett Garrett had over hundred rushing yards in the first half, I think. Um, yeah. I had a nice, a nice little uh, parlay over 250 rushing and passing combined that I think hit in the first half with Garrett. I had it parlayed <laughs> with the money line, so I was, I was loving life. But you could just tell how terrified Cincinnati's defense, and this is not a bad, like it's not a good defense, but th- they had not been that bad this year, um, as bad as we made them look yesterday. Where they're terrified of Jaheim White, and then Garrett Green's coming out the back end, and all he has to do, he has to like beat one dude in space, right? Like that touchdown before halftime, like it was just him and a safety on the whole side of the field. And that's, it's a, it's a matchup I will take every single time. And it's a matchup that I think both of those guys are going to win the vast majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, credit, credit to the, the players are making plays. Like we have playmakers. It's exciting and credit to the staff. Um, you got to give, I mean, you got to give Neil and you got to give Chad Scott credit for getting these guys, the ball in space. Um, because they're fucking they're fucking good when they get the ball in space. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we found ways creatively to get different guys involved. Cole Taylor, Rodney Gallagher's got a lot of interesting uh, sets in, and um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Cincinnati was not a bad rush defense. They they were pretty solid. They had some really good games um, this season. And looking at PFF, this was by far their worst rushing um, defensive grade. They were at a thirty eight yesterday. I mean. And like you said, the, the guys in space, Jaheim and Garrett specifically, um, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like we have these players, these two guys specifically are are able to turn those gains that maybe by the book are going to be a five-yard gain, and you make that first guy miss, and it might be a 12-yard gain or it might be a house call. I mean, that's that's the kind of explosiveness that they're putting on display. So couldn't be happier with how that, that goes. And as any college football fan, yeah, you start to be like, oh, man, we're getting these pieces back next year, young defense, some injuries coming back, you know, like, yeah, you start to look forward. Um, and yeah, and it could be, could be bright. Dude. I mean, it's bright. And then you look and like how much easier do like, what a selling point, right. Is like for the transfer portal, especially like, you know, somebody who has a year or two years left of, Hey, we, we went eight and four, maybe nine and four. If we, you know, if we can get into a bowl game and win, um, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself with Baylor. I, I, I don't think that I am, but, but you know, it's like, come back and like Garrett green is going to be the best quarterback in the conference next year. Like we are going to have the best, like most exciting rushing game in the conference next year. Come take a shot at, at, at the big 12 title with us, you know? And that's, that's something we haven't been able to say something like that, uh, since, you know, 2015, 16, when we got Will Greer out of Florida, right? Like that's the last time when I feel like we could probably sell the type of potential that this team possibly could have next year. So Definitely. super exciting times. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean we can't say enough good things about the offense. Go ahead. Sorry. I'll just say we're, we're sitting here late November and I say this, this is probably the most optimistic moment of the Neil Brown era, I would say. Right. I mean, yeah. maybe other than, other than maybe when we got JT Daniels, but I don't know how guided that optimism was. I would say this is like the most concrete, like we got dudes who I think, are really dangerous and really good. And we seem to be trending in the right direction overall. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been a successful season. We got one more to go. We'll talk Baylor the second half of this pod, but um, yeah, you're right here in position to win eight games, which at the beginning of the season, everything washed away. If you didn't know anything, you look at the schedule, eight wins, I think 
is is a W, and that's a uh, that's another year with Neil. That's another year climbing, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to be winning games again. It's nice to have like several wins this year that were like stress free. We haven't done that in so long. No, no, it's been it's been really good. Yeah, and I think I mean like you said, right? Like the JT thing, it was we were selling potential. We were selling the idea of something. With this, we have seen we have tangible evidence of like this is what this can be. And you just and that makes it so much easier to figure out, okay, we have this, this, and this. We have gaps here and here, right? It makes it so much easier, like, to try and figure out, okay, here's what we need to plug into these gaps. And if we can do that, like, holy shit, like, you know, who who knows what this can be next year? Um, but yeah, climbing, hey, we're we're at base camp two or we're at base camp three. We're acclimated up here. We're getting we're getting ready to go, you know. And uh and yeah, that you know, I think a a, a pretty a very winnable game looming. Um, do we want to say anything about the defense real quick? Uh, you know, I didn't think they were spectacular, but I, I, you know, Cincinnati, uh, there's a little bit of them maybe not getting out of their own way. Like they had a couple penalties that I think hurt them. Yeah. Um, a couple weird decisions. I mean, you know, the fourth down decisions early in the game that kind of let us uh, get out to the lead, but at the same time, the defense is forcing them into those decisions. Right. So, um, Thought they thought they did enough early to let us run out to the lead, and then did enough uh, to protect it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know they were being a little tricky. Had two quarterbacks kind of coming in in different drives, yep. um, kind of you know some styles that maybe you weren't expecting. I think PFF really backs up what I saw, which Aubrey Burks played a really great game. He had a couple good pass breakups. He had a clutch open field tackle on a third on that, short. Uh, that little play action flat play, yeah, it was really good. Go ahead, yeah, that was that was a great play. Anthony Wilson had a really nice game. Uh, I thought Malachi Ruffin played really well as well. Like he was, he was locking down. So yeah, the defense played well. I mean, I think until their last drive of the first half. Um, so maybe they they were down to like four minutes left in the first half. We held yeah. them to like fifty six yards of offense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you let your de- you let your offense get out and running, and we end up scoring twenty eight points in the half, and you're holding the other team to fifty six points. I mean, that's that's you're doing your job. So yeah, they did plenty for yesterday. Yeah, not the best performance of the year. But, I mean, they really sat on them for the first, you know, almost half the entire half of the game. So, I want to say, um, was, it, was it like eight plays in the first quarter? They ran like eight total plays or nine total plays or something like it was. It, I mean, it was, you know, a, a four and out and then like another four and out. And I think that was it in the first quarter. Um, yeah, so. it, that's a deadly style. I mean, like when it really works, when you when you can control clock and run like we do. And you can get teams off the field quickly. I mean, like they, I don't feel like they settled into the game and had a drive until the late second quarter. I mean, that no. just like sort of throws you completely off schedule and, um, you know, kind of makes this thing over before it gets started, which is, you know, that's awesome. You want teams to, to come in your house and have a bad time and look at the scoreboard and be down three touchdowns and be like, well, we lost this one. You know, that's, that's a, that's a good way to start starting fast. Unlike uh, the Oklahoma game. So, well, yep. we started fast then. And then, and then that yeah. was it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it was really good, right? Like we're paying those possessions off. I mean, explosive what? Like a four play explosive drive, two play explosive drive. You know, we're doing all that, and then uh, it's twenty eight seven come out of half, and we what? We ground out like a like a twelve play, like six seven minute drive where it's just like you know if that if you come out and they force a three and out, who knows? Maybe they, there's a little life injected back into the game from the Cincinnati sideline, but we come out and just ground them into dust to start the third quarter, and at thirty five to seven halfway through the third quarter the way the game was going, it was, it was just over, you know, they, they, they stopped wanting to tackle. I don't know why, why we had Jaheim in the game, maybe just to get him to two bills for his first time. But like, you can see, they didn't want to tackle him. They didn't want to tackle CJ. Like they were, we, we beat them by mid third quarter, which like you said, isn't how many times have, have we been able to say that? 
uh, in the Neil Brown era. So yeah, yeah at the end of, end of end of our first drive of the third quarter, we're up thirty five seven. There's only four and a half minutes left in the quarter. I mean, yep. the game's over. You know, like yep. that's it. Yep. Um, so good to see. Um, I tallied it up before the pod. So we played all four of the newbies this year, and uh, we were plus 62 points. That is a, a plus 21 um, yesterday, and I would say that's a very deceiving plus 21 because that was a plus 35, and then the game, I would say, you know, the game ended there. We uh, were plus 13 on UCF, which, eh, maybe that's right, probably in that range. We were plus 30 on BYU. That one also could have been more, and then you lose by two to Houston and a crazy game. Um, but all in all, just by the numbers, we were 15 and a half points a game better than the four new teams we played. So I think that's a little bit important just of like, Hey, we are solid footed in this league. We are, yep. we are here to stay and, and, you know, not letting these new teams come upstart, kick us around. That is, you know, we had the schedule we had, you can't do much about it, but, but, you know, dominating the worst teams, I think that says something in this league. That's, you know. Yeah, I thought uh, Kurtz, Kurtz's tweet, I think I sent it to you, was is, yeah. is pretty is pretty good. Is like, right? Like there's a clear point of delineation between the good teams and the bad teams in this conference and, and it's us. And that's that's okay. You know, that's it's not obviously it's not obviously where we want to be, but like it's not bad. It's better than I thought, right? Like, I mean, when you're picked fourteenth and everybody thought we were gonna be one of those bad teams, we're we're the team this year that's mostly beating up on the bad teams and then we're we're, you know, losing to losing to the good teams and uh, you know, hey, the next step is start beating those good teams. So, and two, yeah, we're we're fifth in the conference. Four teams above us. Two of them are gone next year: Texas, Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma yep. State, Kansas State. I mean, those have been perennially good schools. So, to be back up in that conversation and that half of the ha- that half of the table is is nice. It's been it's been a minute. So, for sure. Uh, all right. Do you want to get into Big Twelve recap? Yeah, let's recap. All right. I would say not a uh, crazy day in the conference. One good game last night. Um, so we'll start off with, are these in? Yeah, here we go. So UCF, Texas Tech. Um, this was a game, you know, Texas Tech is sneaky, kind of found their way back into um, a good season. This was a team I feel like was kind of doomed early, taking advantage of some uh, of some some bad luck early and, and really gotten it back going. Um, they went 24 to 23 against UCF, um, after going down 14 to nothing, like pretty quick in the game, they, they nodded up at halftime and then finished strong. So, um, Texas tech is actually five and three. They're the same record as us in conference. That's pretty impressive with a loss to BYU too, right? Like BYU just five, five to nothing turnover them. And, uh, one of those disaster games, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I still feel good about that win. I mean, that's a win that we had to get. We got it you know, hasn't gone the way that they wanted it to this year, but, but I think, you know, still, still the pieces of a good team in there somewhere. I mean, they beat Kansas last week. That's, that's their crowning win of the season, but yeah, a good win for them. Um, and and maybe eases a little pressure down there in Lubbock. Um, another game yesterday, we had TCU Baylor. This is a, uh, now a protected rivalry in the, the big 12 conference and, and Baylor just, I mean, it feels like they've rolled over this season. They, they started off with a touchdown lead and, and that was it. They uh they go down forty two to seven in Fort Worth. TCU just three and five in conference. So neither of these teams have, have really had the seasons they've wanted. Uh we'll touch more on Baylor later. I don't know if you saw any of this game. I didn't watch this one. No, I didn't I didn't see much of, of many of the games between tailgating and then uh trying to trying to be a dad after the game was over. So um 
kind of flying blind here, but I'll let you run through them. Yeah. Um, we also had Oklahoma State at Houston yesterday. That was um, that one was a little sweatier in the first half than you probably would have thought. Uh, Oklahoma State is was it looked like they were trying to construct the most hilarious record of the year, where they like beat <laughs> Oklahoma but lose to South Alabama and Houston and all these other schools. So. Oklahoma State gets it right. Uh, Ollie Gordon, once again, three touchdowns, 164 on the ground. Uh, you know, not really many teams have had answers for him this year uh, when he when he starts getting it going. So they clean up there, and, and they're still in the hunt, uh, tied in that big old uh, second place. I guess, I guess they're just three teams now tied for second. But, yeah, they, they keep themselves alive in conference. Yep, yep. Expected, uh, expected result there. Um, man, uh, the fucking Houston game. I, I'm just, it's going to take me a while to get over that one, but all right, what's, uh, what's the next one? Agreed. Uh, we'll say Oklahoma BYU, Oklahoma. This was a lot closer than I think anyone would have thought. Uh, obviously Oklahoma is also still in the hunt for the, for the big 12 title game. And I would say really, you know, maybe if you want to say, what's the difference in this game, Oklahoma had a hundred yard pick six. Other than that, I mean, a touchdown is the difference in this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, you said it earlier in the pod. I mean, it's, it's this conference, you know, week to week, you have a bad week. You get some unlucky bounces. You never know. I mean, we made BYU look terrible last week, Oklahoma or two weeks ago, Oklahoma made us look terrible. Then they, they match up and it was basically a push. So that's just, that's just football pick six, at least a 10 point swing. You'd figure, right? Yeah. And I mean, you, I mean, you want to talk about a fraudulent ass blue blood. What are they? Nine and one now nine and ten two. and one nine and two fraudulent ass piece of shit team just full of d-bags do not care for like play us again honest to god i cannot we had dudes open I, i've thought about this a lot more it was an everything that could have gone wrong went went wrong game for us we have dudes open all over the field all game garrett can't hit him garrett just plays the worst game of his career like these guys oh my god trash ass i can't believe we let him get out of this conference without beating him again just really pisses me off fucking hate oklahoma um just fucking frauds dude fraudulent 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 nine and two better than they deserve yep yeah we, we talked about that early just the the schedule they had and and you know their path but yep here they are one week away they're sitting Fuck. um sitting right in position as always as uh as it always does um Next game here, Texas at Iowa State. We mentioned, I think maybe two weeks ago, last time I was on the pod, this was a potential trap going into Ames at night. This was a weird football game. Um, (laughs) Just weird scores coming out of it. Um, All kinds of odd stuff. But Texas gets the lead in the third quarter, and they they really just hold on from there. Uh, 26-16, and Texas has... I guess they haven't clinched a Big 12 title spot just yet, but they're they're in sole position in first place. Um, I think a lot would have to go wrong for them not to. So they're uh, they're probably looking at a Big 12 title um, championship game in their final season in the Big 12, as as you know the hateful eight would love. Yeah, I picked this game up. It was 15 to nine, and I was just like, okay, <laughs> that's about what I that's about what I figured for, for this stupid game. Um, yeah, I mean, expected result, like, right. We, we held out a little hope that Iowa state might, might, uh, nick them there, but, um, didn't quite get it done. No. And then the last game, and I would say the, definitely the best game in the conference yesterday was sunflower showdown. Um, this was a really good game, Kansas and Kansas state. This is also a protected rivalry moving forward. And this one had some swings. Kansas was up, uh, pretty big early. 
They um, were up 27-16 midway through the third. And Kansas State really clawed their way back. Um, I'm looking at the win probability chart. Kansas peaked out at about 80% win probability. And then Kansas State drove down uh, late and had a, a nice kind of game-sealing drive. Um, no points, but just extending the drive enough to win. And then they had the really funny, like, you need to kneel it, but you need to burn like 10 seconds. So Will Howard's like running backwards and falling down to burn the extra time. But get out with a win. Um, Kansas has been sunk in their Big 12 chances, but K-State stays alive once again. Uh, they always just seem to be around in November playing good football. That, that is like an identity of that team. What do we make of uh, Jalen Daniels seemingly saying he's coming back? And that he hasn't been self-redshirting. I didn't see that, but Kansas has played three different quarterbacks this year, and they've been competitive with all three, which is like, oh, so this is like an actual program and not just a quarterback show. Yeah, yeah, we really we need to get Leipold out of there. Michigan yeah, State, seriously. get his ass East Lansing uh, as soon as possible. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you can't, you know, the record, the record has kind of, like you said, they've cratered a little bit here the last couple of weeks. They've taken a couple of L's. Um, but it's an impressive team, right? Like, I don't think they haven't gotten blown out one time. Uh, I don't think they've been competitive in every game. And, uh, and yeah, like you said, I mean, Kansas and Kansas State and uh, late November football is just it's kind of what it is at this point. Yeah. They, 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 they'll, they'll trip up a time or two, but it always seems like they have shit figured out by the time it starts getting cold. Exactly. All right, so that's our recap. Uh, did we get any questions this week, Jordan? We sure did. Um, let's see. Let's run through them real quick here. So um, from Zentrade, uh, Zentrade Elite, uh, chances Neil's contract gets reworked in the offseason. I f- low, I would think. Um, he has no incentive to, right? So yeah, he has no incentive to, to do that. It would be great. It would be very nice for, I mean, that, I guess that kind of goes into, there's another question here a little later. Like, what can Neil do to win back the fan base? <laughs> rework rework his contract maybe so that it's not a guaranteed buyout but yeah i don't think there's there's a high chance that 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 happens um mm-hmm. you know for better or worse um what is the best case scenario for neil brown returning will he actually fire anyone this offseason from night 676 i mean best case scenario is conference championship game i would think with what we have coming back in my head i'm you know i'm as optimistic and stupid as they come but I would see that as the ceiling. I would think that's the goal for this team next year. Yeah, I think you got to be competing next year. Um, so next year will be year six of Neil Brown, and you don't have to win the Big 12. But with Texas and Oklahoma gone, I mean, we just mentioned it. If you eliminate those teams, we're, we're third in what will be you know the new Big 12. Um, yeah, this this is a year where I think you got to come in and compete. And yeah, expectations, unfortunately, this is the business. Expectations are going to be even higher than this year. You can't probably get away with seven wins or whatever next year. You, you need to be in the conversation. I mean, caveat, we have Penn State. That's, you know, maybe maybe you kind of put that aside. But in conference, you got to be, you know, two loss max. You got to be out there competing and uh, in the conversation for sure. So you got pieces. Obviously, we, we speak here late November. When we talk next August, you know, there will be like three things that happen that we will never have been able to predict in terms of people we will lose, people we will gain. It's just what it is nowadays. Um, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, I think you got to be in the conversation and got to be competing because, yeah, we got some talented dudes coming back. We got a young defense and this is what we're building towards. That's right. All right. From from Stats Boy Andy, wouldn't Neil look great in orange? Uh, I mean, Neil's a handsome guy. I think he'd probably look good in most colors, Andy. 
Um, so, you know, I don't even know what shade of orange we're talking about here, but um, <laughs> from 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 uh, Zentradi Elite again, can Garrett Green get better? Is his ceiling? You know, I don't. How much better do we want him to get? Right? Like, I mean, he misses some throws here and there, but like this dude, you know, you've kind of been running through, or I, I don't. I think we might have been before the call, but I mean, outside of like the NFL, like legit NFL prospects, like if you were going to make a tier of quarterbacks of like not legit NFL prospect, but like real fucking problem for college defenses, like Garrett Green is in that group, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I know I'm higher on him than a lot of people, but, you know, I think the 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 path for him to, to get even better is to get the completion percentage up around 60%, right? Like, um, like the way he played against Cincinnati is perfect, right? What was he, 13 for 19 or 12 for 19? Um, you know, taking a lot of shot plays, making good decisions with the ball. But, you know, I think overall, just with the, the, the way he runs, the way he escapes pressure, generally keeps his head, throws a great deep ball. Um, you know, I think a big, a big red flag for us coming into the season is like, is this guy going to be reckless, right? He's made great decisions with the ball this year. Turnover worthy play rate is, is among the lowest in the conference. Um, so I think it's really, you know, just start, and it's not even like the intermediate stuff. It's like the the short passes that require a little bit of touch, a little bit of finesse. Like start hitting those, get that get that completion percentage up about you know five to ten percent, and he's going to be again as good as anybody who's not a legit NFL prospect. Yeah, totally agree. For for a college quarterback, um, you know, I always I, I I maybe always equate him similarly to Skylar Howard, where I think Skylar Howard was rough around the edges. Um, and every year that he played in the West Virginia offense, he got better at fitting what his role was in that offense. I think Garrett's done a really good job of that this year. Like, um, we're really playing to his strengths for the most part as the season has gone along. And yeah, I mean, hitting the intermediate passes, like, yeah, I would love to connect on those 90% of the time, but, uh, there's not a better option on the roster probably not a better option that you're going to go get in the portal i think you you stick with the continuity you run it back and you hope he improves 15 percent across the board and focuses on one and two area groups and yeah i I, i'm not looking for another quarterback next year i I would like gg yep how should the athletic department stop fan this is from master of awesomeness um stop fan apathy um with the likelihood neil's back it feels like a lot of refusing to back him unless he wins 10 games or conference title yeah, I mean, a lot of people just have their mind. I don't think there is anything he can do at this point besides winning 10 games or a conference title. It's it's that simple. Um, people have made up their minds. He just he has to win in a big way. Yeah, win games. I mean, that's... Yeah. He's always won all the other stuff. And, you know, the athletic department and maybe just past coaches, whatever, have not done him a favor in the scheduling department. I mean, we do have a tough schedule. And, like, for whatever reason... People still like if we wouldn't have played Penn State this year and we would have played like Ball State in that position, you know, like we'd be a whole win better. And maybe people are like, oh, we won nine games, 10 games, whatever. I just don't feel like that stuff's important. I feel like, you know, we were never going to beat Penn State this year. Who knows what they're going to look like next year? I mean, maybe you go and pull an upset and that's a, you know, you beat Penn State at home. That that maybe is your chance to win the, the fan base back. You know, that that would be a good answer. But um yeah, I don't know. I win games. <laughs> yeah, win yeah. games. Just win, baby. There's there's like a hundred college fan bases that are upset with not winning enough, <laughs> thinking that they deserve more. Like we're not alone in that. So don't act like it's uh, anything different. 
Yeah. Uh, Bobby Franklin, uh, how set are our bowl prospects? I keep seeing Liberty and Ken Kendrick Bowl. Yeah, that's the one. Those are the two I've seen the most of. I don't know if you've seen any others. Yeah, those, that, I was looking just before the call. That was that was what I was seeing as well. Yep. Uh, from Irrational, uh, what are the chances Neil makes move with the current staff, like hiring a new defense coordinator? I, I don't know, man. Um, he's loyal to a fault. For, for better or worse. Um, I would say the only way that he makes a move like that, like like at that level, defensive coordinator is if Ren Baker like pushes him to is yep. like, Hey dude, the defense needs to, you got to get somebody else. Like, I know you like Leslie, but it hasn't been good enough. Um, I can see maybe, maybe some, I mean, there'll be some shuffling in the position groups. I would think on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I, the, the thing that's tricky is, is that a lot of our position group coaches where we've been struggling, like the secondary, um, you know, those guys are also some of our best recruiters, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, how do you weigh the pros and the cons there? Um, cause I, I, I'm, I tend to be more of a Jimmy's and Joe's guy as opposed to an X's and O's guy. So like, you know, whoever gives you the best chance to get the best talent on campus is who probably you should keep on staff. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts here, Joel? Yeah, I think he <laughs> might be loyal to a fault. I think he's probably not going to make a move by himself. I think if you get pushed, do you think anyone on our staff is pluckable? Like, is someone going to give Chad Scott a look? If you know, I don't know. I don't think he's going to make a move unless he's pushed or forced. If uh, there's no big external pressure, I think we're just going to run it back, and that's that's just my perception of Neil. I, I've said this before. The way he uses we as in terms of his staff, we have won in these different places. He speaks of that in like Troy still. So I think he's a very team yeah. as in team of his staff kind of guy. I don't think he's going to go go looking. Take that for what it is. I you know I don't know. I just uh, I scrolled down a little bit and noticed the irrational said Gary Patterson in parentheses and then said Ren will get him a bag. Uh, so hey, but you know, I would I would trade <laughs> I would trade Jordan Leslie for for Gary Patterson for sure. I would trade that, but I would have to get over my disdain of Gary Patterson first. But, <laughs> but I would tra- but I would still trade that. <laughs> um. All right. So one from Slaw. Uh, does Neil have any more wins starting Green last season? And then uh, Claru piggybacking off of this. If Green can improve in the short to mid range, what's our ceiling? Um. I don't know if we do win anymore. Like, I mean, JT Daniels was good for the first half of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think maybe you look in that Texas Tech, Iowa State range, kind of in the middle of last year when it was like, we were kind of not sure what was wrong with JT. Like, is he hurt or whatever? Um, you know, maybe you have a better chance in those two games with, with Green um, if JT was really hurt. Uh, and then I know, obviously, we made the change for Oklahoma. Um but I, I don't know. I mean, that's tough to say because JT was JT was good. I mean, coming out of the pit game, I remember thinking like, dude, we got a we got a guy like right like, um, and then yeah, I think we already hit the ceiling right. Like if Green improves, I really I think we can contend legitimately for a conference title next year. So yeah, if Green improves a little bit, if if we stay you know relatively consistent with what we think we're getting back next year, like I said, there will be like three things that happen we can't foresee, but. Um, I don't think there should be a team next year you can't beat. I think we should be be right up there with anybody. Um, and yeah, last year, I don't think there was any like gross mismanagement. Like you said, JT kind of had a decline, and I don't think he wasn't like pulled quick enough. I mean, maybe, but yeah. I, I don't think any more than like one game difference. Maybe you get in there with um, 
Yeah, he doesn't turn the season surprise. around, right? G- Garrett Green is like the uh, nightmare backup quarterback where it's just like, oh, damn, they got this dude and we have no tape on him. Because, yeah, he presents <laughs> some issues uh, not being a super standard quarterback. But, yeah, I think he improved a lot year to year. And just fitting his role in the offense, I think that's really been the big thing. He's leadership as well. Um, I still love that he he likes to talk his talk. Like, I was almost waiting for the flag on his, like, third rushing touchdown when he sort of stared the guy down. Just like backed into the end zone. So that was one. Yeah. And then on the Jaheim White passing touchdown, he ran up to Dante Corleone. You couldn't see it on TV. No, they showed um, it. Yeah. Oh, did they? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So he ran up to Dante Corleone and just was like, what's up, buddy? Just like in his yeah. ear. And then my favorite Garrett Green clip of, of by far is second half. Uh, Jaheim White breaks the tackles, long run, ends up inside the five yard line. And somehow, <laughs> like Green, Green, like you know, it was his own read. So Green like hands it off and then sells and runs the other way out of the frame, and uh, and Jaheem ends up inside the five. And like as Jaheem's getting up to do a first ground, Green just like runs up right next to him and is just like first down with him, you know. And I was like, oh my god, Garrett Green's the fucking he's that dude. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I mean, I just fucking love Garrett Green. Where, where, where I don't, I don't even remember what the question was. I just got excited about Garrett again. What is our ceiling? Yeah, conference championship. Let's go fucking win the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Garrett Green. I I love like I think he he is kind of hitting a sweet spot of like um, understanding when not to take his helmet off and get a fifteen yard penalty <laughs> and you know that kind of stuff. Versus, I love the energy. I love the, I love that a quarterback like yeah. There was a couple times yesterday you mentioned a few of them. There was even another time you know he gets hit, goes down. Maybe he slides and gets like a soft hit, but he's like. Pops up ready to talk his talk immediately. Like I, I love that in a quarterback. I love that in a competitor Same. in general. So, um, Same. Yeah, I'm, I'm all here for that. All right, a couple more quick ones. Uh, I'm actually scrolling down here. I saw you, we're, we're favored by six against Baylor, which jumped the fuck all over over that immediately. Um, then here, so question from 304 Yenzer. Um, has Neil Brown done enough at this point? Can I recruit for football? Unfortunately, I don't think that he can, although it is dope when basketball recruits or football recruits get to come to basketball games and we're nice at basketball too. Um, you know, you, I think you always get pictures of, uh, of Neil Brown sitting with, um, you know, sitting with whoever the football recruit of the day is in the stands there and, uh, you know, showing them what the fan base is all about. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think he's done enough for another year for sure, right? Like if we if we win uh, win this one, then eight and four. I I don't know if we can fire at eight and four. I mean, I guess probably people th- seem to think we have to call Jimbo, but eight and four. I don't know if we can fire anybody. What do you think? No, nobody's getting fired at eight and four. Or uh, yeah, that's that's just fine. Yep. <laughs> um. All right. From uh, SCTV man. A likely top 15 or 20 Penn State at home or stats boy saying Penn State will be top 10. Biggest home opener since dot, dot, dot. I think we've talked about it. I mean, Ohio State was number one in 1998. Um, that's that's the game that I would go back to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Know, I'm that's, trying to think um, of what the other candidates would even be. Biggest home opener. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything that would, that would compare. Yeah. I mean, we've had some big opening games, but not home. I mean, Pitt was a home opener this year, but um, yeah, I don't think in terms of a national perspective or, or ranking standpoint that, that that's going to be comparable. So yeah, it'll be Especially, a big one. What if gasp? What if what if we're ranked to start next season? We might be lurking. We might be lingering there at the bottom. Um, I mean, so I'm trying to think back to like, so Bama and LSU, 
or we played LSU at home that had game day. I don't know if that was a home opener. Um, no, nah, it wasn't. And the Bama was a neutral site. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. This is the biggest. This is the biggest home game in a long time. In a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then one last one from Cincy here. What do you need to see from Neil for the rest of the season, off season, and next season in order for him to respond? Yeah, I mean, we covered it. You, you got to win. I mean, you, you know, winning eight and four is is it's still in that shades of gray, right? Because based on the based on the schedule and the way that the team is kind of shaken out, I mean, you lose the Houston game, you lose the Oklahoma State game where you were in control. Eight and four doesn't feel like as it, this is not as good as the season could have gone, but it's also way better than what was expected, right? So, But you're still in that shades of gray where you don't have... You didn't have the, all right, we're getting rid of him, or, oh, fuck, like, we're going to extend him kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, next year next year is the year where you're bringing all these guys back. You have an established quarterback who is a fucking problem, TM. Uh, go, you know, you got to win 10. You got to be one of the two or three teams competing for a conference championship. Yeah, agreed. I think, uh, yeah. Eight and four, but you show if you get to eight and four. I'm, I'm assuming a Baylor win, which you know we'll talk about in a sec. If you get to eight and four, it's uh, you showed me enough that tells me that we could have been better than that, which is a funny place to end up in. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like coming into the season. If you if you gave me eight wins, I'm taking it. If we get eight wins, I'm like satisfied enough. But it's like, man, we could have had nine or ten, like just there. Um, whereas, you know, you look back on the season, it's like, how many games did we squeak out that we maybe didn't deserve? I feel like a lot of the early season games, while they were close, um, and win expectancy, we kind of dominated them. I mean, Texas tech, you know, you win by a touchdown TC, you win by a field goal, but otherwise, yeah, I feel like you, you handily won all the other ones that you, you think so. And yeah. Yep. All right. That's it for questions. Appreciate the questions, gang. Questions have been great. Really enjoyed doing this the last couple of weeks, so we'll we'll keep doing it for uh, as long as this podcast is a thing. Um, yep. Should we zip through zip through the precap? We're already at forty minutes, so we should probably try and hit. Yeah, we'll we'll hit the precap quick. Um, so lines came out. Obviously, this is the last week of the regular season. Your Big Twelve scenarios. So Texas, if if all the top teams win, Texas and Oklahoma State would be the Big Twelve title game. So win and you're in. We'll start there. Texas, 14-point favorites going into Lubbock versus Texas Tech. Texas Tech, you know, been trending up. Got got some nice wins recently. They would love nothing more. There's a couple Texas schools where all they care about is beating Texas. There would be no funnier thing for Texas Tech to win that game at home. Um, yeah, that, that would be a funny outcome. I'm going to double-check if that is at home because I'm looking at a, um, a betting site. But while I do, I will just say that um, that's one of those games that can erase a lot of wrongs for a season. Like you win that yeah. thing, you you finish what maybe like they would finish six and three in conference. I mean, that's potentially what we would finish as well. But um, that would that's that's a uh, fan base equity kind of game. Like you win that one, kick Texas te- kick Texas potentially out of the championship game on their way out. Um, That'd be really funny. And so, yeah, I'm corrected. That is in Austin. I guess these are these are flipped here in this that I'm looking at. So, okay. I was just saying, it's not like a lot a to tougher. be in Lubbock. Yeah, a little tougher, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's <laughs> that's worth three wins, honestly, yep. right? Like, <laughs> that's worth two or three wins to the to the fan base. So, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, we're all going to be Red Raiders, right? Guns up. Let's go. Yep. Um, your your but, next one that's more or less winning you're in, Oklahoma State. Um, at home versus BYU, Oklahoma State 16-point favorites. Dude, 
we watch BYU's rush defense, Ollie Gordon's going to have like 9,000 yards in that game. It's my yeah, he prediction. might. Yeah, he might. Yeah, I don't see this one being close. Especially like Oklahoma State kind of, after the Oklahoma game, like a couple, you know, I mean, falling back to earth a little bit, maybe have regained their footing w- uh, with that second half against Houston. So, yeah, maybe they're, maybe they're back on track. Smash BYU. Yep. Um, okay, so in terms of your scenarios, if Texas wins, they're in. If Oklahoma State wins, they're in. If Oklahoma State loses, now Oklahoma, the door is open for them. They're 11-point favorites at home versus TCU. I don't see them having problems there as well. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not too inspired by the TCU team. They did just beat up on Baylor, but that's not saying too much. I'm, I'm uninspired by Oklahoma as well, though. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't care for either of these teams. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to give yep. them the, uh, the you know, my viewership. Yep. Really take really taking a stand, you know? No, I, I, I'm with that. Um, and then your, your last team that's got an outside chance, but it's looking pretty bleak based on the last two teams I just mentioned. Kansas State, if Texas wins, they need Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to lose. Kansas State has Iowa State. Um, this is in Manhattan. They're getting nine-point favorites there. Iowa State has been a, a sneaky team this year, um, but K-State, they're playing good ball. And, uh, yeah, shame that they're kind of looking on the outside outside looking in at this point. Um, so, feel like it goes. Uh, yeah, I feel like Kansas State is like what Iowa State aspires to be, you know, kind of right. Like they they kind mm-hmm. of like want to play a similar brand of football, but Kansas State is just better at it. Um, would expect them to take care of business at home. This is Farmageddon, right? Kansas State, Iowa State. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? They call that Farmageddon? I, I think so. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Okay, so then the rest of the way around the league, uh, Kansas is three-point favorites at Cincinnati. Um a game that's not consequential to the Big 12 title race. UCF is nine-point favorite at home versus Houston. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have strong thoughts on those. The only other game is West Virginia um, at Baylor, and West Virginia is coming in six-point favorites. The Kansas line Kansas line feels low, but no strong thoughts other than that. Yeah, at Cincy, just three-point favorite for Kansas. Yeah, that might be a that might be a, a purchase of a ticket there for for Kansas. They are on their third string quarterback, but um, yeah, they, they just took K-State to the wire. So, Yeah. Yep. All right. So do you want to talk a little Baylor Bears? I sure do. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Baylor, how the mighty have fallen. They have been the opposite of the climb. Um, Dave Aranda gets in there, rebuilds that thing in like two seasons. They're winning the Big 12 championship. And the mighty have fallen. They're three and eight. They're tenth in the conference. And um, I think this this whole preview might go similarly to how we did the BYU a couple weeks ago. I'll just preface that by saying I think they stink. Uh, they have not had many competitive games. They have not won any impressive games. They lost. They opened the season losing to Texas State. They lost to Utah the next week. They beat Long Island. After that, they get blown out by Texas. They beat UCF by a point in a crazy fourth quarter comeback. They probably deserve to lose that game. They lose to Texas Tech by 25. They beat Cincinnati by a field goal. We just saw what Cincinnati's made of. Since then, they've lost four straight. Iowa State by 12. Houston by a point. Kansas State by 34. TCU uh, by like four or five scores. 
they've, they've just not had a good season. Um, they, nothing really has gone their way. I mean, the most impressive win, I guess, would be UCF by one point, and that was an insane fourth quarter comeback. After that, it's Cincinnati by a field goal, and then a FCS school. Uh, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> So this is, uh, yeah, got to travel. Got to go play in Waco. Um, a seven o'clock game. This is uh, so what? This is their Thanksgiving week. What fans are coming back to Waco for a Saturday night game for your three and eight football team? You're not even playing for bowl eligibility. Uh, Waco has been a hard place to play in the past, but I can't imagine there's going to be much fan engagement for this one. Uh, I don't know. That, that's that's my table setter for this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, I can't imagine, right? Like, I, I think you're you're looking at some pit numbers, some absolute rookie attendance numbers out there. Um, man, yeah, I was, you know, this is one of the ones I'm just upset that I didn't bet my conviction, right? Like, we were both we 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 had this sniffed out in the in the deep dives we did in the off season. We're like, man, I can't even remember the, the line was like six and a half or seven and a half, even. And it's just like I I don't I do not see it. Like these guys kind of look like they sink. And so knew they sucked, but I didn't, I didn't bet it. I didn't bet it really pissed off at myself. It was the easiest fucking layup in the world. Yeah, man. I mean, you look at the schedule, they could easily be one and nine. Uh, yep. you know, the men, yeah. they, they were down 25 to UCF in the fourth quarter came back and won. right. That is just an absolute from the deep recesses of their asshole fluke. Um, and then since he, you know, I, I didn't watch the game, but I lurking on the Cincy board ahead of our game. You know, apparently there were some shenanigans in that game where Cincinnati kind of gave it up. Uh, You know, what did they? It was thirty-two to twenty-nine, if I if I am remembering the score correctly. Um, And Cincinnati was really pissed off that they they kind of gave that game away. Um, You know, high level, you look at the conference. Only BYU has uh, scored fewer points than than Baylor's two hundred forty-six, and so this is against um, uh, conference. Actually, I don't know if these numbers are against conference foes. Um, this might be for the full season, but nobody's, yeah, sorry. It is. Yeah. So nobody scored or only BYU has scored fewer than Baylor's 246 points. Nobody has allowed more than their 366, um, in the big 12. So in their, what, eight big 12 games they've played so far losing by an average of 37.1 to 21.5, which that's the biggest scoring margin, um, in the conference, 15.6, right? So like you said, not a whole lot of competitive games. They're losing by more than two touchdowns on average, which makes the West Virginia by at least two touchdowns. Prediction. Feel very cozy this week. I feel cozy putting that blanket on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, these guys these guys stink. You know, I put the picture in here of um, of, of Parker's, uh, Parker's little game previews that he puts on, on Twitter. It's a fucking bloodbath, right? It's deep red, deep red across the board. Um, yep. There's only four or five that are even white, which means that they're average. The only thing that is even light blue is run rate over expected, which I'm not saying it's, it's a meaningless a stat. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a meaningless stat, but if you're going to have blue, that's not one that you want to be blue in. I mean, because it, yep. it ultimately doesn't matter that much. Um, it tells you how they play, not how good how good they are in anything. So, yep. yeah, they stink. I think they stink. They're no good. Um I'll just read you real quick their PFF. This is in a conference level, so there are 14 teams in the conference. Offensive grade, 13th. Passing grade, 12th. Uh, Pass block, 5th. This is the the shining star. Receiving grade, they are dead last. Uh, Run rate, they are run grade, they are 12th. Run block, they are 8th. If you flip it to defense, they're they're tied for 11th, so 11th or 12th in defense. Rush defense, 12th. Tackling, 12th. Pass rush, they're sixth. Coverage, they're 11th. I mean, they just 
Their, their, their best thing in their entire, you know, the way PFF's grading them, their best thing is their pass blocking. And uh, it really hasn't done them any favors. Blake Shapin really uh, has not had the season you would want. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't hate Blake Shapin coming into the season. I thought... I thought he was going to be the bright spot. thought he could give them something. And uh, a, a slight regression this year. I mean, he was, he was fine coming in. Um, but his grade, this is the lowest of his three seasons he's played for Baylor. Um, just hasn't gotten it done. Only good game he really had was against Houston, and that ends up being in an L. Other than that, uh, you're seeing pretty low grades on a week-to-week basis. Just, you know, haven't really gotten it figured out at all. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm sort of flashing through here. Anything that has stood out to you uh, for the Baylor offense? Oh, uh, I think... You know, for folks who don't trust PFF, the raw stats back up everything Joel just said. Like I said, 21 and a half points in the conference, which is 12th. 95 rush yards is 14th. 2.8 yards per carry is 123rd in FBS. BYU is the next worst in the conference at 3.8. So they're literally a yard worse than BYU's rushing game. And remember how shitty that was. Um, Passing game, not overly... so it's a volume passing game, right? They're putting up big passing yard numbers, but it's like the the pass rating is 10th in the conference, 6.8 yards per attempt, 11th. And then, you know, I saw the blocking stuff too, where PFF is is grading their offensive line pretty well. And actually, if you look at the individual grades of the dudes, um, they're they're solid, right? Like they have, yeah. you know, top 10 guys, I think at, at all at center, guard and tackle, but they've allowed 7.9 tackles for loss uh, per game in conference, which is 14th. That's 123rd in FBS and 3.5 sacks allowed per game, which is 14th in the conference and 117th in FBS in conference, 216 yards lost on the 28 sacks that they've allowed. So like this offensive line, like I don't understand how they're even grading out well at all. Like they've allowed the most sacks and the most tackles for loss. Uh, Imagine having a quarterback who gets sacked. Like, what yeah, that no, like? I can't, I can't. And I think this is, this is what you and I both pointed to in the off season of like, dude, look, Baylor has had one of the two best offensive lines with Oklahoma in the conference. I would say generally over the last five or six years. And they lost every single part. Like it was a full turnover and, and like the offensive line, it was transfers. It was new starters and it has just not worked at all. And yeah. I think, I mean, that's probably why, I mean, maybe Shapin has been decent when you consider that he's been sacked and hit more than anybody else in the conference. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's a bad, it's a bad offense like Shapin. Yeah. The completion numbers are down low, big time throws. They're not explosive. They don't average a lot of yards per play. Um, he's a decent scrambler fumbled it six times when he's run though. I don't know. I mean, you look at this and it's just, it's a bleak offense. If you know, if I'm our defensive line or if I'm our front six, I'm just absolutely licking my chops. We should have these dudes in third. It should, I mean, like BYU, you know, I, I think that this is the vibes that I've gotten as well is like, these dudes should be behind the sticks all night and we should be getting after shaping all fucking night. Yep. Just there's in, there's no reason for that not to be, you know, the way this plays out. Totally agree. Pretty much on everything you said there. Um, we, we as West Virginia fans, and I'm sure every fan base does this, like, you know, years past we've had drop problems. Our receivers drop the ball all the time. Kind of got that cleaned up this year. We don't really talk about it. We are not talking about enough how good the combination of our offensive line and Garrett Green's pocket presence has been this year. Garrett Green has been sacked four times in 11 games. Blake Shaben has been sacked 23 times. And there's, there's a 
fun conversation to have about you know what percentage of sacks are, are responsible is it your receivers not getting open is it your quarterback holding the ball too long does your offensive line just stink west virginia has that synced up i mean that we, we have been amazing at that when you look at baylor what tells me um i don't know who exactly you assign the blame here Baylor is the only team in the conference that has worse overall receiving grade than us. I mean, we came into this season knowing that we didn't have the best receivers in the world. I feel like we fit a scheme that really has gotten the most out of the guys we have. I feel like we really figured that out. Baylor is the only team that has graded out worse than us in the receiving room. So are guys not getting open? Is Shape and holding the ball too long? Because the, the, the blocking grades have been good enough. I mean, they're, they're right around average in the conference, a touch above. Um, but yeah, this offense, I just feel like uh, when you look at maybe maybe the term would just be playmakers. Like there are not guys who are making a difference on this team. You look in the receiving room. I mean, the top what five target guys? You don't have a single grade over seventy. Uh, top six target guys. You don't have a single grade over seventy. I mean, that's that's pretty bleak. Uh, you just don't have guys that are making a difference. And then when you look at the running game, nobody is making a difference. They don't have a single guy. Um, Nobody's averaging over five a carry, and they've they've mixed in you know five different dudes have gotten at least ten carries this year. Everyone's averaging low fours a carry. That that just really doesn't get it done at this level. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. It's just like there aren't dudes who pop off the page, pop off the field. You know, there's there's not really a, an individual here that makes this team go, and it's been pretty evident. I mean, they've been kind of gotten run out of a lot of games. They they just have not been able to keep pace. I think I'm, I'm going to just clip the last 15 seconds here and then we can just replay that and be done with the defensive preview as well. <laughs> um, no, but dude, so a couple things that stood out to me just to really paint how bad, you know, I mean, we've hammered it home pretty hard, but I want to beat the dead horse a little bit longer. Um, so none of these running backs are, are, are over four and a half yards per carry, but several of them are averaging over three yards per carry after contact. Right. And so the, <laughs> you know, I'm not a scientist or a mathematician, but uh, that tells me that on average they're getting hit between zero and one yards from the line of scrimmage, right? So offensive line kind of stinking. That's 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 not good. Um, the allowed pressure thing. So PFF tracks that. If I'm looking at the Big Twelve, I pulled it up while you're talking through it. Blake Shapin is fifth in the Big Twelve among quarterbacks with, uh, let's see, with at least thirty um, pressured dropbacks. So it tracks, uh, you know, which percentage who, you know, who's responsible for what percentage. Shapin is responsible for 19% of the pressures that have been allowed this year. Offensive line is at 79.7, which is not that high. So maybe that explains why, you know, maybe it is a little bit more on Shapin um, than, you know, some other uh, than, than, than on the offensive line. And then when you look, uh, they also track, PFF also tracks the pressure to sack. So how many times have you been pressured? Divided by how many times you've been sacked, that's your pressure to sack ratio. Um, Shapin is at 23.7, which is third among Big 12 quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks. Uh, And then on the flip side, like you called it out, Garrett Green is second in the Big 12 at 5.6%. I just want to see what this looks like if we go to all of FBS because that's insane. Um, He is fourth fourth in FBS among quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks um, in terms of you know, he's been pressured 71 times. He's been sacked four times. Right. And so, you know, going back to the question, I, I can't remember who asked it of like, do we win more games with, with green last year? Like maybe we do, maybe we do like how many times, you know, even going back a couple years ago, like how many times did Deggie or JT Daniels get sacked where Garrett green either, you know, gets out of it and, and runs for first down himself or finds somebody down the field or whatever. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I, I use that uh, opportunity as an excuse to, to gas us up a little bit more. But yeah, Baylor, dude, they suck, man. You know, um, a lot of a lot of pass catchers have a lot of targets. Not many of them are good. Offensive line's bad. None of the running backs are really good enough to um, overcome how bad the offense. You know, it's not like they have Barry Sanders where like he's making four guys miss in the backfield and then picking up eight yards. And it, like, and it is like the most heroic eight yard run you've ever seen in your life. I even remember thinking about about Richard Reese last year. Is like, dude, like, I'm pretty sure I could get like five yards of carry behind this offensive line. And yeah. it just hasn't been the case this year, right? It's it's a it's a bad offense. We should we should have these dudes in second and third and long all day. We should be pressuring Blake Shapen all fucking day. They don't have a receiver who's just going to go out and take matters into his own hands. This is, I mean, it, it's it, it. This should look like BYU and Cincinnati did. Agreed. This should be a get in, get in, get out first half kind of game. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I don't see any reason that it should not. Um, anything, I mean, I know you mentioned about the defense, anything on the defense that stands out to you. I, I would say the number one thing that stands out to me is they do have two corners who yep. really, um, I, I guess two, two of their three corners have really graded out. Well, that's Caden Jenkins, 79.2. That's a, that's a pretty solid season wide grade. Carl Williams, the fourth, um, those are the two dudes who look to be, uh, the best on this defense. And those are both the corners. Um, I don't know anything else really stood out to you. They one thing that stood out to me, they, they really only have two dudes who generate pressures. Um, yeah. They're not really getting it done anywhere else. Um, and that'd be TJ Franklin, Gabe Hall. Um, but also in, in those two dudes, TJ Franklin has a 29 tackle grade. That is one of the lowest PFF category grades I've seen all season. Um, so I don't, I don't know any, any big things we should be looking for. I mean, they clearly haven't really been slowing teams down this year. No. Um, I mean, you know, Cincinnati, the team we just watched, they, they beat, they, they got 29 up on them. So, um, kind of, yep. kind of surprising to me. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think it's, 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 it's a bad defense. I think I said it at the top 37.1 points per game allowed against big 12 opponents, which is, is atrocious, right? Um, the, <laughs> They're allowing 260 pass yards per game on just 29 attempts, right? Which it feels like it leans exactly into the way that we're trying to play. Um, the 162 pass rating they allow is worse than the conference. 8.9 yards per attempt, 13th. 67% completions, 13th. They don't generate havoc. 1.4 sacks, 4.5 tackles for loss per game. 12th and 13th in the conference. Um, I guess the one thing you'd say is like they're kind of just middle of the road in terms of like how many explosive plays they've allowed, but 12.2 explosive pass rates allowed, which is 116th in FBS. So that's they're They're allowing a 20 yard pass, basically, you know, just a little bit more than one out of every 10 attempts. So again, do you know anybody who, who plays like that? Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I mean, dude, the, you know, the defensive line has some decent players, but no real standouts. I would say, like you said, low pressures, um, linebackers and safeties are awful, but yeah, no, I mean this, it just feels like a team we should have our way with, um, maybe as bad of a defense as we played like easy, easy yeah. 40 point game. You know, I think we, we highlighted ahead of BYU and Cincinnati, um, issues at linebacker and safety, right. And like, if we can give our dudes the ball in space, if we can give Garrett green time to find guys in space, really like the way that our skill guys match up against their linebackers and safeties in space. And, you know, we saw it with BYU and Cincinnati, Green, White, CJ. They ripped them to fucking shreds. Uh, this this shouldn't be any different, in my opinion. 
Yeah, this, this is your summation. Tw- well, two two kind of tweets here. Um, S and P plus. That's Bill Connolly, the um, ESPN stuff. He has Baylor 101st nationally overall. They're 81st in offense. And this is opponent adjusted. They are 81st in offense and 103rd in defense. I mean, yeah. it's you, you can't be that bad in both. And so they're uh, like this, a like a pretty below average G5 team, right? To put that in context. Yeah, they're like a mid mid to low mid G5 team. Um, compare, you know, adjusted to. I mean, they lost a G5 game to start the season. I mean, that's <laughs> not not great. Uh, and then this tweet, this tweet by Travis Roeder. Uh, he writes for uh, Sikkim365, which is a Baylor uh, outlet. Um, this, this is just, he has a bunch of stats from the TCU game, but um, the tweet is simply unreal. TCU has a good offense, but Baylor's defense has made them look like a top three national unit. And he provides a lot of stats that I won't read aloud, but basically TCU ran up and down on them, um, just absolutely obliterated them in a rivalry game that you think Baylor would be up for. They're one and six at home. I mean, uh, this should be an unproblematic game that we should we should get in and get out by half is, is really the way I'm seeing it. Um, and anything less would, would be somewhat of a disappointment. I mean, go in, handle business. When there are wins like this, I mean, this is a bleeding team and you got to go in for the kill. Hey, you know, uh, whoever asked the question, like, what can Neil Brown do before the end of this season to make fans like get behind him a little bit again is like, you know, you get the shit kicked out of you in that Oklahoma everything goes wrong game. If you come out and kick the shit of the next two teams, right? Like it doesn't erase Oklahoma, but it makes me feel better. Like if we go out and beat them 49 to 10, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel better about that. So and and that's the way it should be. I mean, this is, you know, Cincinnati, I think I said with with Jake last week is. They were one and four in one score games. Um, stats stats looked a little bit better, maybe than than their record would have indicated. You know, you wouldn't have been surprised looking at what I was looking at just on paper. And this is a five and five and six team, or a five, you know, like a four and six team kind of thing. Baylor, like, I mean, really, they are as bad as three and seven is borderline generous. Three and eight is yeah. borderline generous to them. Um, like I said, this team could be one and nine, two and ten, or two and eight very easily, and. Uh, yeah, I mean we gotta we gotta go out. I don't know if my math is mathing with the records that I'm throwing out here, but they could they could be a one or two win team very easily, and uh, we need to we need to treat them like that, dude. They've we had a couple years, you know, over the last decade where they fucking hung seventy on us, and there there was no reason to do it. Like, go out and kick the shit out of these guys, man. They they want this season to be over with. Let's go end the season for them. Yep, business trip in out. Get the win, handle business. Let's pick a, a fun bowl destination is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else you want to pile on Baylor, um, who may or may not should be a school? Hmm. No, I think that I think that all of my pylon stats, I've already run through them all. So <laughs> um, maybe Dave Aranda, Dave, if, if we get Dave Aranda tarmacked, you know, two seasons after he wins coach of the year, that could be. Dude, what would what would two seasons ago, the day that Dave Aranda won Coach of the Year, the uh, the betting odds of Neil Brown finish, finishing haymaker on Dave Aranda's Baylor career? That now that that is some long odds back on back on that date. Yep, wish wish I would have bet on it. Yep, but <laughs> I mean, who would have known, dude? I you know I like Dave Aranda. I didn't see this coming. Yeah, um, I don't Nobody know what the issue. Yeah, no, I don't know what the issue has really been over the last two seasons, but goddamn, it's the wheels have fallen all the way off. And yeah, I mean, you, I don't know if I'd be shocked to see. It's one of these things where, like, I would not be shocked if we see him back, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he gets fired after this year. 
Like it's, yeah. it's been that bad. And like, you're looking for signs for the future. I mean, unless they absolutely hit a fucking home run in the transfer portal this, this off season, I don't see, you know, there's nothing to really hang your hat on and be like, Oh, well, we got that coming back. Right. It's just, it's, it's bad. It's bad across the board. Yeah. It's crazy how the mighty fall in this conference. I mean, Matt Campbell and Dave Aranda, um, where everyone's sweethearts not too long ago and and both both neil have brown. sort of changed that yeah neil brown was neil was brown like, slaying giants on the way to the summit baby stepping on heads <laughs> who else we got to take down baby come on yeah give us a fun bowl game man i don't know there could be some interesting scenarios out there um, anybody but minnesota and i'm down yeah i agree agree with that one <laughs> all right well um so our, our normal credits, you can find us on uh, smokingmusket.com. Uh, be sure to check out Jordan's preview article each week uh, where he goes into some stuff, additional things on our opponent. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter at WVStatsGuy, at Game Day Shorts. West by Pod with underscores is the account for the podcast. Um, also find us in the Discord with the Smoking Musket. I think that thing has been popping off this year. A lot of fun to be in there. That's where we get our questions. You can tweet them to us as well, but that's generally uh, where we're picking our questions from up. Um, and appreciate all the all the questions and all the uh, the interaction with the pod. It's been fun. Um, yeah, we only get, I mean, this is our last, well, I guess not our last preview because we'll have a bowl preview as well, uh, but our last regular season preview. So uh, for those listening this season, um, thank you for, for joining along the ride. Uh, hope you have had more fun this year than last. It was uh, kind of rough last year talking about a lot of the same reasons we kept losing games, but uh, turns out it's more fun to talk about your team when they're winning. So I think Jordan and I both enjoyed the pod more this season. And some optimism, things to get excited about. So uh, that's all I got. Thanks as always for listening, and we will catch you next week. All right, take care, game. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.